0: You can say it with flowers, you can say it with a smile, you can say it with chocolates or cards, and you can say it with coins. Larry Gasper of Reading, California, decided on the last of these. Larry had got into a bit got a bit behind in paying his property taxes. In fact, he owed the Shasta County tax collector $12,658. So, just as the county was planning to auction his house, Larry made a trip to the tax collector's office and paid his bill in coins, (laughs) in a wheelbarrow and two buckets. It took four of my staff a little over two hours just to count all the cash, says Mary Axelson, Shasta's chief deputy tax collector. And then it took probably another hour to get it bagged up to go to the bank. But the loss of those 12 staff hours was better than the alternative, thinks Mary. She says, I could have turned him away. There is a taxation code section that says we do not have to take payment in coin. But he came in looking for confrontation, and I just wasn't going to give it to him. (laughs) So if you can say it with coins, I'll leave you to judge what it was Larry was wanting to say to the tax collector. (laughs) You can say it with flowers, you can say it with a smile, you can say it with chocolates or cards, and you can say it with coins. You can screech it with a hostile look, you can stab it with an angry gesture, you can trumpet it with whatever eloquent flourish of passive aggression you wish, but the Pharisees said it with a coin. You can declare it through scripture. You can whisper it through acts of compassion. You can shout it by turning the other cheek and embracing your enemy. But Jesus also said it with a coin. Saying it with a coin. Money talks, it tells stories. Sometimes those tales are true, mostly, they're lies. Money might say less about you than American Express can, but it still proclaims your values, it howls your priorities, it exposes your soul. Money is the bullhorn that bellows your true ideals at the street corner of your life on that day we read about in the gospel lesson the coin was a spokesperson for their jealousy a mouthpiece for their malice it was also a bear trap in the hands of those power crazed paragons of self-righteousness a coin became the means by which they connived to ensnare jesus in a catch-22 dilemma. This Jesus whose popularity rankled them, whose divine authority enraged them. So they approached with evil intent and asked him, should people pay taxes to the occupying Romans or not? As a gotcha question, this was up there with asking a presidential candidate if they had stopped beating their spouse. Nothing Jesus could say in reply would save him from humiliation at best or treason at worst. This question was toxic and Jesus wasn't wearing his hazmat suit. You see, this despised murderous tax paid the salary of the Roman soldier who stood on the street sneering at citizens, reminding them of their national shame. Yes, money talks, and this tax coin cursed and mocked and ridiculed. What's more, it was a flat tax. The sum levied was exactly the same for everyone, regardless of their wealth. Money talks, and this tax coin poked fun at people's poverty. But worse than that, this coin was etched with blasphemy. It bore the image of the emperor Tiberius with the inscription Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Money talks and this tax coin insulted God, belittled his glory, desecrated his holy name. So this toxic tax was was rightly hated by the Jewish people. Money talks And this tax coin spoke death. So back to that nasty little gotcha question. If Jesus answers, yes, people should pay the Roman tax, the crowd will be outraged. He may not even get out of there alive. The other answer is even worse. It's treason, insurrection, and a brutal death more akin to state-sponsored terrorism than capital punishment. Good luck tossing that coin, Jesus. Heads you lose, tails you lose. Caesar. You've got to love Caesar, haven't you? At least that's what he tells you. You have to love me. You have to worship me, bow down to me, sacrifice to me. Caesar claims ownership of everything, engraves his name on everything, stamps his image all over everything. Caesar, for the Pharisees, was a real man. Tiberius, a fool, a blasphemer, a human soul disfigured by self-worship, deformed by his lust for wealth and power. But for Jesus, Caesar was bigger than one man at the head of a brutal regime. Caesar was a byword for all human authority, a metaphor for the systems, the structures, the complexes of human power. You know Caesar, you rub shoulders with Caesar, you look Caesar in the face every day. His coin is domination, his currency is control. Whenever a person is used up and spat out for profit, you see Caesar's handiwork. Whenever human dignity is crushed by trafficking, slavery or exploitation, you hear Caesar's goose step. Whenever a child is abused, a woman overpowered, a man disposed of, a family starved, an innocent imprisoned, a community destroyed, a village flattened, Caesar's image is emblazoned across the carnage. He signs his name in human tears. Biblical interpreters say that Jesus is referring to government when he talks of Caesar, and I think government is part of it. But so is every system, enterprise, industry, or project that dehumanizes, destroys, or devastates God's pinnacle of creation, the apex of his imagination, the peak of his grand and glorious design, human beings. You and me and every man, woman and child, however touched by disability, however disfigured by sin, however much their own actions or the actions of agents outside their control have tried to eradicate their dignity, human beings made with God's image stamped all the way through. We are God's coins And if you look hard enough, really look, deeply look, with that part of you that sees invisible things, you will see the image of God stamped on every person you meet. You can say it with flowers, you can say it with a smile, you can say it with chocolates or cards, and you can say it with coins. God has chosen to speak to his world through us, his coins. We bear the image of our sovereign, just as that coin in the hands of Jesus bore the image of Tiberius, so we bear the likeness of our maker. We share his creativity, use it to speak of God. We have his eye for beauty, his sense of right and wrong, his dignity, his ability to give life, to bless, to change our environments, to bring order out of chaos. Let the world see God's image on you. Like his, our hearts can burst with compassion and overflow into the lives of those around us. We can love like him, forgive like him, lavish gifts like him, and one more thing. We can sacrifice like him, even the ultimate sacrifice of our lives, just like him. This is the glory of being human of being made in the image of our creator and it swells our hearts. It compels us to worship and inspires us to live as God's currency, bearing his image and showing it extravagantly and indiscriminately. We are the coins that bear the likeness of God. But coins that sit in the darkness of a pocket are useless Unless we, God's coins, are in circulation, then we deprive Westfield and Union County and all the places where we travel of a vision of God. We are the bearers of his image. Dare we put ourselves in circulation? People follow the money. When they see us being God's coins, bearing his likeness, sharing his kindness, they will follow the one whose image we bear. They will follow you to the Father. They will follow you to the throne of grace. They may even follow you to this building. And so that challenge to give to God what has God's image on it, that means we give to God ourselves. We give him all we are and all we have. And when we give ourselves, we give the only legal currency in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe when the offering plate comes around later, we should sit in it. Not literally, of course. Uh, Because we bear his signature, his name is engraved on our lives. This is so much bigger than how much we're going to pledge for God's mission in and through St Paul's, although it clearly does have big implications for that, particularly this week as we'll be receiving our pledge cards in the mail. You can say it with flowers, you can say it with a smile, you can say it with chocolates or cards, and you can say it with coins or banknotes. I'd like to finish by reading a prayer by the French poet Michel Coist composed in the 1950s and it's called Prayer Over a Five Pound Note and I've made a few edits uh, to make it suitable for an intergenerational setting this morning Lord see this note it frightens me you know its secrets you know its history how heavy it is It scares me, for it cannot speak. It will never tell all it hides in its creases. It will never tell the struggles and efforts it represents, all the disillusionment and slighted dignity. It is stained with sweat and blood. It is laden with all the weight of human toil. It frightens me, for it has death on its conscience, All the poor fellows who killed themselves for it, to possess it for a few hours, to have through it a little pleasure, a little joy, a little life. Through how many hands has it passed, and what has it done through its long silent trips? It has offered roses to the radiant fiancé, it has paid for the baptismal party and fed the growing baby, provided bread for the family table, "'Because of it there was laughter among the young "'and joy among the adults. "'It has paid for the saving visit to the doctor. "'It has bought the book that taught the youngster. "'It has clothed the young girl. "'But it has also sent the letter breaking the engagement. "'It has broken the morals of the young "'and made of the adult a thief. "'It has paid for the weapons of the crime "'and for the wood of the coffin.' O Lord, I offer you this note with its joyous mysteries and its sorrowful mysteries. I thank you for all the life and joy it has given. I ask your forgiveness for the harm it has done. But above all, Lord, I offer it to you as a symbol of all the labours of men, indestructible money, which tomorrow will be changed into your eternal life. Amen.